0: Every car comes with its share of stories, that ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, the luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer. While you can't put a price tag on your stories, now with True Car you can at least find out what your car's worth when it's time to sell or trade it in. Just go to True Car, simply enter your license plate number and watch your car's details pop up. Then answer a few questions. Navigation and moonroof? Watch as they bump up your value. High mileage? You already knew it was going to cost you, but now you know how much it dings your wallet so you can plan ahead. Once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer not available in all areas. Welcome in to the PFF NFL podcast. Steve Pelazzolo back here with Sam Monson. We are live On YouTube, welcome in to everybody that is tuning in again. And uh, welcome to all those in podcast land, right, Sam? Yeah. Apparently that's what we say. Land, world, whatever. All right. Two overtime games. Conference championship weekend. We got a lot to talk about after this weekend. And for the third straight podcast, phone is on the table. Mm -hmm. Just in case. Still no baby. Still no baby. Appointment today. Not much has changed. But I told Kelly, this is the window now. Right. Company party's over. Championship week's over. Mm -hmm. Just don't let it run into the Super Bowl. Like we've got two weeks here. Two weeks. Two week window. Let's do it. Let's do it, honey. In the next uh, couple weeks here, have that baby. All right. Let's discuss. uh, Company party was fun. I'm sure everybody wants to hear about that. Okay. A lot of fun, right? You did a good job. You had to do some, uh, some humor. Yeah, I got roped in to be like co presenter of the comedy. Yeah, you did a good job. Thanks. Um, So we had a lot of fun, had our stakes, rushed home to beat the snow, snowed over here in Cincinnati. Um, All right, let's get to the games from yesterday. Two overtime games. You know, on one hand, you've got exciting football, crazy plays left and right, you know, just um, unbelievable historic moments, but you also have the refs probably front and center in both games a lot more than you would like if you're the nfl
1: yeah definitely it's so one uh, one thing to come out of those games yesterday is i think they were both extremely poorly officiated period right for what are supposedly sort of all-star crews in the playoffs the best performing guys they both sucked so that in and of itself is a problem the second thing is i have no idea why you can't fix the rules for the postseason, and make sure we don't have game-defining screw-ups when the offici- by- with when it comes to officiating. The idea that Sean Payton can be on the phone the second the game ends to the league office, who go, "Yeah, sorry, we blew that one. Our bad." Like right, that they couldn't have just said that. We had the 20 time to fix that in the game, right? New York is watching all these um, all these games. New York sees that it's a problem phone them in just dial up and say guys you've screwed that one up fix it even even if you want to say that you i'm okay with the idea that you don't want the officials on the field to be looking up the bits at the big screen and going oh yeah oops and kind of you know reversing themselves because of a tv replay right kind of do i kind of get the idea that you don't necessarily want that happening because a big part of that is the reaction of the crowd more than the official taking a look at the tv Right, So I get that part, right? But there's no reason whatsoever that for the playoffs, New York can't dial in to the officials instead of the officials dialing into New York and saying, guys, we screwed this call up, flip it the other way. You, you blew it, right? There's, not a, there's no reason that can't happen. And that would literally change the result of one of these games and have a different team in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't hate that to get it right. Yeah. I also think Nickel Robey Coleman, that was him, right? Yeah, that he should have just turned and picked the ball off instead. But that's a whole different... Multiple times he did that. I mean, everyone wants to talk about that
1: one, but there was a couple of times... Yeah, the dropped interception in the fourth quarter
0: as well. Um, All right, let's get into a little bit more of the Rams and Saints. It looked early on like the Saints were going to be in full control, um, but kind of like in the second game where the team that was in control just didn't have as big of a lead as you expected. The Saints had two red zone opportunities. They settled for a field goal first... And then there's an interception off a Todd Gurley drop where they settle for another field goal. So the Saints are up 6 to nothing, while completely controlling the game. And I think, you know, look, yes, the Saints got screwed on that last call. But, you know, they had so many opportunities here. Not only after that call, you know, they still had the ball in overtime. They're the only playoff team now to lose in overtime in the playoffs while winning the coin toss. So they've got that going yeah. against them. Sorry, Saints fans. That's but even early, but, but early it needs in the to be game,
1: talked about at some point. We'll What's get that? to that. The play, the overtime rules, play defense. They need to be changed. No, you play can't. Defense is you can't thing. decide. You now you need to
0: play defense. We'll do it later. We'll when talk the later. Entire league has gone the other way. We'll talk the rules. Talk about the rules later. Um, you're the one who doesn't care about fairness. You're just like, oh, a tie's a tie. I'm from Europe. Right, but now you can't tie. Therefore, it needs to be fair. Oh, jeez. Now it needs to be fair. Okay, so I think a big part of the Saints' issues, first quarter, when they're controlling the game and not coming away with points, and you could say, hey, it's the Rams' red zone defense, but there's an end zone drop. Mm -hmm. Breeze makes a nice throw up and away from coverage. That's dropped. Breeze, and the second time around, overthrow. You know, they left a few plays on the table in the red zone that I think ultimately came back to bite the Saints.
1: Yeah, they left some plays on the table. I think defense played a much bigger part in this game than a lot of people were expecting it to both defenses stood up um, to be counted a little bit more than they did certainly the first time they played um, the Saints defense was helped a lot by the noise like their home yeah. field advantage was definitely real but the Rams clung on just enough early in this game to prevent it getting out of hand and I think again we've seen this before that the the team that was trailing and getting in a hole was acutely aware of how bad that would be to get in that big a hole so that fake punt was huge the idea that the rams felt they needed to pull that out to keep that drive alive and keep going and not sink that deep in right i think was a major a major decision a to realize that that was the situation they were getting themselves into and a major execution to get that to happen like johnny hecker what for a weapon a, he is! For, well, for a punter, he's got a pretty good pass on him. But Sam Shields needed to do something to make that work. Like he caught the ball and was going to get tackled short, and right. needed to make a guy miss to get that first
0: down. That was, was pretty impressive. Well, as Shields well. was a, he was a wide receiver back at Miami in right. college, and what a weapon that is when you have when you have Hecker with what a sixteen yard with 16 yards of depth away yeah. from the long snapper and they just they run straight pass patterns mm-hmm. most fake punts are like oh you left me wide open just just lob it in there they run straight curl routes yeah they run with hitch. Hecker with like some level of timing and he's got to get it out I mean that is such a weapon that's why he's got these you know gaudy passing numbers in his career um, but that's you know again one of those little things that makes the, that makes the Rams special the thing we've said about the Rams and Saints all season it, it does go beyond their offense. They're, both teams are capable of winning in multiple different ways, whether it's the run game, whether it's defense, whether it's back end in coverage, pass rush, but add special teams for both teams. Both teams have done. You've got Taysom Hill running trick plays for the Saints. You've got the Rams doing it with Hecker. That's what makes these teams just those little extra you know, differences in these games.
1: Right. And we, we kind of said all along the defense won't be the reason that, that a team wins because, you know, they dominate a game and suffocate a team like the 2000 Ravens or whatever. Right. But defense could be the reason that one of these teams wins because they show up at the right time or they fail to show up at the right time. And, you know, both these teams, their defense has showed up at the right time um, in this game at, at, in certain situations. And then the other game was a story of the other defense just not being able to do it. You know, the 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 final... Drive in the AFC game, the Chiefs had three opportunities to stop him on third down. Couldn't A third and long, at all. Right. So again, you're talking about at that point, that defense just needed to stand up once, one play, and they couldn't do it three straight times.
0: So for the Rams, if you look at their uh, defensive grades, highest grade Dante Fowler. Playoff Sue, Playoff Sue comes back again, but Dante Fowler had the highest grade, yeah, at 79.5, including four pressures, and he's the one who hit Breeze. Mm -hmm. On that interception in overtime, it was the second-highest pass rush grade of the year for Fowler since coming over to the Rams back in Week 10. He did it against Seattle. So when we talk about these games, yes, Aaron Donald um, got a lot of attention, by the way. There were some plays I remember seeing three guys looking at Aaron Donald when they needed to. Um, but But when you have a guy like Dante Fowler step up because of that attention, that's what we've been saying about the Rams all season. It's Sue, it's Donald, but... Who's going to do it off the edge? Dante Fowler really stepped up in this game,
1: right? When they when they traded for Fowler, it looked like one of those moves that could just be enough at some point to to help them out in a big way because he's a potential edge rusher in a way they have not anybody generating edge rush, and it hasn't. It's not like it's been consistent. And right. Fowler's been this immediate impact player and has helped them all the way down the stretch. But this is the kind of game, right? He has one of these games where he does show up. We get a sack, a hit, a couple of hurries. He has a big part in the entire game. And I'd say that was, you know, it did push him over the edge. It went from being just Sue and Donald in the middle to suddenly you've got Dante Fowler actually stepping up and having a big game. And it makes, it makes all the sort of comments around that trade right. They may not have found a guy that's consistently this edge presence
0: when, that they haven't had. But they found a guy that can do it in a game. And so here's the other cat and mouse game that I thought was very interesting. You have Wade Phillips on one side, the Rams defensive coordinator going up against this uh, explosive Saints offense. You could tell early on, it reminded me a little bit of what the Eagles did the previous game, where they were really trying to just clamp down on the other, underneath stuff and make breeze, make plays over their head. So they did a pretty good job on the underneath stuff. But then it was Alvin Kamara on wheel routes. Every time Alvin Kamara had a mismatch against the linebacker, the Saints were targeting him. He had 13 targets. They weren't doing anything crazy. It's wheel route here. It's a little you know, two-way go. They, they were just targeting Kamara. He caught 11 of 13 targets for 96 yards. Uh, so that means Michael Thomas only had six targets. Yeah. Because they, weren't, they were just mixing and matching what they did against Thomas. But when he ran those crossers, they had their safeties come up and discourage the plays over the middle. When he did catch the ball, they did a good job keeping it in front and uh, limiting the yak. But by the end of the game, so they did a nice job on Michael Thomas, and they said, "Okay, kamara 's killing us." So then they had plays where sue 's rushing off the edge, and he would pop kamara it 's usually the other way around, right The running back 's usually going to bump the edge defender on the way out, slow him down. instead, Sue is playing on the edge, and he 's slowing Kamara out into his route, so they made a nice adjustment saying look we 're not going Michael thomas we can 't let him kill us now we 're not going to let Kamara kill us go we 'll let Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith and these other guys. Beat us. That was a really nice adjustment by the Rams to take Kamara out of just a couple of plays here and there.
1: Yeah, they mentioned that you know on the broadcast that it's one thing to ha- to go into a game with these kind of adjustments and know right. that for a guy we need to slow him down, but the Rams did that in game. It's like okay, we've yeah. had enough of this. We need to actually do something to take care of Kamara because when he gets one on one with the linebacker, usually Littleton, it's just not going to happen. And by the way,
0: over the, the Patriots, we'll get to that. But the Patriots did that at halftime with Stephon Gilmore covering Travis Kelsey they switched to him uh, over there too so the in-game adjustments you know Wade Phillips uh, the architect of the 2015 no fly zone in Denver and all that stuff and I think the Rams defense got a little underrated this year because when they didn't have to leave they gave up a bunch yeah they didn't have to leave they got torched a a lot and I think it kind of lulled us to sleep but if you go back to our preseason analysis of you you have the best player in the NFL in Aaron Donald you have Sue up front and then you have very capable players in the secondary. Bringing in Tlaib and Peters as even though Peters has given up a ton this year, still dangerous. Tlaib, Peters, Roby Coleman, uh, Josh Johnson in the back end, uh, Lamarcus Joint. They have some talents on the back end in the right places.
1: Right, and what was Roby Coleman? I think was a huge part of this game, not just because of the <laughs> the pass interference that wasn't called at the end, but so his coverage numbers are insane. Now, part of that is helped by the fact that you know blown call that didn't get happen and right. Honestly, in this game, both teams, I think, were testing the officials in terms of what they're actually going to call. There were a bunch of pretty close calls that didn't get called and could have. But for the game, um, Roby Coleman's numbers are pretty insane. Uh, he was targeted seven times, gave up one catch for nine yards, and had two pass breakups. So his pass yeah. rating allowed was exactly the same as an incomplete pass. Dropped interception. Yeah. That, you know, um, he should have caught, but... But what was interesting is that he was their answer to Michael Thomas because over the season, Michael Thomas has spent almost exactly 25% of his snaps in the slot, and which is actually, I think, less than you think it would be because we, we know that he's become this devastating slot weapon. And a lot of times when they're in their toughest situations, he goes to the slot and he, becomes, right. he gets huge numbers and becomes so valuable because of that. But only about 25% of his snaps this year from the slot. But this in this game... It was up over a third. Again, not as much as maybe you thought it would be just looking at the game, but it was over a third of his snaps in this game were in the slot, which put him up against Roby Coleman a lot, whereas before the game plan was essentially Marcus Peters is going to follow Michael Thomas wherever he goes the first time they right. met. This time, Roby Coleman saw a ton of him. Um, three of the targets, three of Roby Coleman's seven targets were with Michael Thomas in coverage and only gave up one catch in, in those targets.
0: Yeah, so the, we mentioned, I think, on the sky, or at least I had it in my notes for the sky broadcast. Um, that I, I don't think they're—I didn't know necessarily say that they were going to track with Tlaib, but you're going to see more Tlaib and Thomas, in your, and Roby Coleman was going to be key covering Thomas because of when he does move to the slot. Um, so the Saints, the Saints went from having some really good rhythm early on exploiting every matchup. I mean, Breeze was sharp and every time as I mentioned, when Kamara had a linebacker on him, he found him. When Thomas was open, he found him. He he found every single mismatch that he needed to find. But I really put a lot you credit the Saints defense, Rams defense, but Breeze did not make plays in the fourth quarter or overtime. They had multiple drives to try to, you know, seal the deal essentially in the fourth quarter. They couldn't do it. Other well, you know, there was a pass interference. They couldn't do it overall, other than that that one missed call, and uh, and then the overtime interception, which um, when the ball pops up, you don't know where it's going to go. But Breeze, you know, as we as we we always debate these plays as far as like what the grade is and everything like that. We usually absolve the quarterback if he gets hit, and, and he just has no clue, right? He gets hit, and it's the it's the blocker's fault. I thought it was a very risky decision because Dante Fowler won his block. Fowler was right in his face. And Breeze made the calculated decision on second and 16, I'm going to wind up and try to throw the ball. Now, the fact that the ball landed in Josh Johnson's hands and he adjusted and Michael Thomas didn't adjust to the ball, there's a little bit of luck involved there. But Breeze made the decision to try to throw the ball under duress, and that ended up costing them in overtime. There's this fascinating
1: dynamic between the pass rush and coverage in every defense that's and, and how, how they kind of relate to how the offense goes in games that's... Really interesting to look at, and it kind of plays out and played out in different ways in both these two games. You know, we talked all before about how, which, if you can only get one, do you want the elite pass rusher, do you want the elite corner, and obviously they work in tandem. And you know, when the Vikings made that big trade for Jared Allen, there was all this talk about how the coverage is going to benefit a huge amount because now suddenly you've got this elite pass rusher that's going to get the pressure to mean those guys don't have to cover for as long and then the same thing on the back end if you've got a guy that can shut people down for a huge period of time it's buying the pass rusher a bit more time to get to the quarterback so in these two games and we've seen it with Breeze before when we were talking about the Eagles in both those games they were the same thing worked in different ways the first game the Eagles weren't able to hold up in coverage so their pass rush couldn't get there because right. the ball was out of Breeze's hands so fast that they never had a chance the second game their coverage is better. They got more aggressive with the receivers and Brees had to hold the ball longer. So suddenly the pass rush was able to become a big part of the game again. And that again happened in this game. The Rams coverage was way better than the first time they were able to slow down those receivers to disrupt their um, release essentially into obvious passing lanes. And Drew Brees had to hold the ball longer. So yep. his average time to throw in this game was 2.55 seconds
0: Which is pretty high. He was at what two point one or two point two the first time. Yeah, the
1: first time was way low. Um, But that's it's kind of it's a middle of the pack kind of time. Right. But for him, it's slow. And more importantly, when you're dealing with an Aaron Donald, it's slow. You know, if you're at two point two and almost two point six seconds, that's giving Donald enough time to work. If you're at just over two seconds, triple teams. Right. If you're giving, if you're just over two seconds, that's probably not enough time for Donald to be an impact in the game. So, this was the Rams secondary show or yeah, showing up in a way that they didn't the first time in partly because in part because they had to keep to lead back. And that allowed their entire defensive front to play better. Yeah. So, it's it's an example of how much even just one guy coming back doesn't just help out the secondary, it helps out everything because oh, it has this it has this knock-on effect, this domino effect of I will make the secondary better, which in turn will make the pass rush have a bigger impact in this game. And that's a huge thing, a huge part of what happened to Drew Brees and why he wasn't able to be as good as we've expected him to be.
0: The other heart that part that's tough to quantify, um, because we've just started saying with quarterbacks, how many of their throws come on their first read and how many come on their, their next read, second, third or fourth. And I know everybody's like, how do you know that? And we're just doing it based off of did you start somewhere and did you move somewhere else? Even just in those generic terms, all second reads overall in the NFL are less effective than first reads. Because obviously, if it's your first read, it's gone well. You've made a decision. This is there. This is open. I'm going to make the throw. So that's where coverage comes in. If you can discourage the first read, you're almost um, automatically making the play less effective right off the bat over time. Just like as soon as you get pressure, passer rating drops 40%. Um, but that's also, again, they, they, they do build off of each and other. And
1: this is why uh, defenses are so susceptible to double moves and why they look so stupid at times. You think, well, how can you fail? How can you be so bad at covering double moves? And it's because they want to sell out to shut down that first read because if they do, it A, makes the second read less effective right. because you've made the quarterback change what he wants to do and go somewhere else. And B, it's buying time for your pass rush to become a factor in the play. So you want to take away that first thing, and you're therefore cheating towards that. And if you cheat towards that, that's when a double move screws you. Because, you know, if, you, if you're playing the slant, as soon as you see a guy make his break on the slant, you can jump forward and you can attack that. But if you have to, well, I can't jump this because I have to make sure this isn't a slant and go. I have to make sure it's not a sluggo route because if it is, I'm screwed. Like that's that's where the first read becomes open. They right. c- they can consistently make that. So it's this balance, this juggling act between trying to be aggressive and shut down the first thing, and making sure you're not doing it so much that you get hosed by a double move. Sometimes
0: that's where we talk about the run setting up the pass. Pass routes do set up the next pass route. And yeah. Again, in the in the Patriots Chiefs game, you've got Gronk on a fade, and then on that last third and ten, he runs a slant. So that's you, if you overcommit to one thing, the other thing is open uh in the saints rams game both run games were pretty much non-existent uh 2.3 yards per carry for the saints including the breeze kneel down but still you know about two yards a carry horrendous for the saints and the rams didn't go anywhere either three yards a carry 26 carries for 77 yards that includes a 16 yard end around or jet sweep to uh to josh reynolds yeah so there wasn't wasn't much going on in the ground and i, I just want to give jared goff credit he had the interception that was on Todd Gurley early in the game. And then he just kept making pretty big throws. Drops one in a bucket to Brandon Cooks. I think it was, what, late first half? To put them in position yep. at the end. They really needed that. Making a few plays outside the pocket when he needed to. Um, so Goff made a bunch of big plays, despite not having a run game.
1: He did. He made... I mean, he stood up to be counted in a lot of big plays and was a big part of the reason they were able to cling in, cling on in this game. Um and eventually make the comeback. And you're right; it was without um, it was re- without the run game to support him. And actually, with Todd Gurley, previous MVP candidate, seemingly going out of his way to screw it up. But not just the dropped interception, but Todd Gurley blew blitz protection a couple of times. Yeah. Got him hit once. Got him almost hit another time. Like Gurley was at one point having as bad a game as it was possible to to have. Then ends up getting his touchdown on the ground, but. They for, were
0: adamant like, that he was not right. hurt.
1: For the majority of the first half, he was playing as badly as it was possible for a running back to play. Redeemed himself slightly by scoring the touchdown on the ground, but he was having an awful game and then ended up basically getting benched for the second half.
0: Let's, let's also, the, the, part of the reason why touchdown passes in, in single game samples or just small sample size in general are overrated. Multiple times yesterday, you saw. Big pass plays put teams inside the five, right? And then they run it in, and it's like, all right, well, the thirty-yard pass or the, the the golf pass to Brandon Cooks is the key play. Is the key play there? You know, don't completely change your perception of golf just in case. You know, just because he maybe throws a one-yard touchdown and it changes his numbers and it changes the the five key numbers of the, the stats that you look at. The big play was the Brandon Cooks play, and that sets up Gurley. Not it wasn't an easy touchdown by any means, but it sets up Gurley for the inside the five-yard carry right that leads to touchdowns
1: yeah honestly I think what might have got Gurley sat down was the job he was doing in pass protection yeah because he was on the field for 32 snaps 11 of those were pass blocking so 11 of those he was kept in to help with the blitz and on two of those he screwed it up like two of those one of them he got his quarterback hit the other one he almost did so two out of his 11 pass blocking snaps he screwed up a blitz protection and there's basically nothing that the NFL hates more than a running back screwing up blitz protection. It's why, right. it's why you get these amazingly talented running backs that don't play as rookies or don't play on third downs as rookies because they're not trusted to do that correctly. Right. And it's why when you get guys like Ezekiel Elliott playing an incredible amount right away, it's because they're able to do that. Ezekiel Elliott coming out, one of the most impressive parts of his game as a prospect was his pass blocking, was his ability to protect in a sort of pro-style system and pick up the blitz. So he played right away and played all the, all the snaps. Guys that don't, and Gurley was one of them, he wasn't trusted to do that earlier in his career, that's a reason they, they don't see the field. So honestly, I think that might have been the reason he was sat down, is not just because he was having a bad game, but because he was screwing up blitz protection, and that's going to get your quarterback damage, and that's
0: going to lose you the game. Yeah, you can't have that. Definitely not. Uh, just to finish the story on Jared Goff, since weeks 13 to 15, where he was horrendous, game grades of 39, 46, and 47, uh, which was the worst three game stretch of his career, including his rookie season, where right. he was pretty bad. Um, he's got game grades now of 88, 84, 77, and 73, rounded up just a little bit. So those last four games, including the last two playoff games, much better. And, you know, if they're going to beat New England, they're going to need another really good game from Goff. That, they'll go as, well, as, as far as he goes, as far as, you know, as far as that game goes. Yeah. What did um, I just say?
1: I, I, I'm not entirely sure. A lot of different things. Right. None of them appeared to be an English sentence. But.
0: Anything else you want to add about the NFC Championship here? Again, if we just can think about the drama for a second outside of the the referee stuff, the fact that we went to overtime again, right. the Rams handled the Saints onslaught early on, crawled their way back into the game the Rams defense I thought did a nice job hold just keeping them in keeping them in keeping them in go to overtime Greg Zerline big kicks big kicks it's in a dome but big long field goals that you have to hit um one of which looked like it was leaking wide for a serious
1: serious portion of that kick looked like it was going to leak out to the right hand side and it, it did.
0: did everything completely changes if Zerline's not hitting those kicks so you know, the Rams, it's a full-team effort there. Defense kept them in it. Goff made some key plays. We mentioned Dante Fowler in there, Zerline, fake punts, a lot of things working in the Rams' favor there.
1: Right. The only the other guy that I think deserves a mention at some point is Cameron Jordan for the Saints. Yeah. Who was turned in, well, A, he's turned into one of the best edge rushers in the NFL, period, right? He's been dominant for multiple straight seasons now and has been a real part of the Saints defense being just good enough to get them
0: going somewhere. I always call him the most underrated player in the NFL because we've always said that he grades well. But I don't know. if, right. like People say Vaughn Miller, Khalil Mack. Nobody throws Cameron Jordan in that conversation.
1: Right. And I think a big part of that is, and we've said before, that when the Saints get um, somebody else on that defensive line having big games, they're a completely different unit because it's one thing for one guy to be really good all the time. But if one guy is all you've got, you can kind of take that away. Right. right? You can mitigate that. But when you get somebody else, it's a huge thing going forward. And the, the say, it's when they're at their best, have that second guy. They've had Sheldon Rankins at some time. He went down hurt. But Cameron Jordan's job over the past few seasons has been insane. So in terms of overall grade among defensive linemen over the past three seasons, just in the postseason, right? Number one, Aaron Donald. Just in the postseason? Just in the postseason, because Cameron Jordan kicks it up in the postseason. He's played, what, three postseason games? They've all been phenomenal. (laughs) They've been insane. So he's actually played more than that. He's got 266 snaps over the past three seasons in the postseason, which is more than any of these people, by the way. They played two last year and two this year. So one, Aaron Donald. Two, Khalil Mack. Then we've got, on small sample size, Kenny Clark played really well for the Packers. That's got to be just 2016. Uh, Alan Branch, randomly, for the Patriots on their run when he was phenomenal. Then Cameron Jordan with this 88.6 grade, uh, three batted passes, um, a ton of negative pressure. Plays.
0: Negative plays. Failed pass rushes, yeah. as Booger would say. Michael Brockers had a huge batted pass. Michael, Th- One of the times Michael Thomas was open, Michael Brockers bats the pass. It saves a big game. Right? It's actually a good play. No, no, God, no. It's you, you failed. Sorry. Finish your th- Jordan thought. We'll wrap up. That's it. Up. it just that he's
1: phenomenal. By the way, apparently, according to this, Chris Jones has six batted passes in the last three seasons
0: in the playoffs alone. <laughs> wow. he's Yeah. He had a big one yesterday. And then he comes out injured, too, at the end. All right. So Rams are on to the Super Bowl. That was the first road championship game right. win since for like five years yeah 2012 was the last time it happened and both road teams won and again we just saw that this
1: was the yesterday. the the matchup we're getting in the super bowl was the least likely of all the potential permutations right.
0: yeah i mean that they're, they're the road teams that's an, it has an effect so yeah was not expected was, i was 0 yeah. two in my picks i was one on one good job sam thanks all right let's get to the patriots and the chiefs patriots win 37 to 31 the uh, the underdog story of the new england patriots no, continues stop it stop it no no what? can't no they're not an underdog story
1: they were the underdogs yesterday they are yesterday not an underdog Chiefs. story they were the underdogs yesterday for the first time in how many years 69 games right with brady at quarterback okay so you can't they not you can't call them an underdog story well maybe they shouldn't have been the underdog Maybe there should have been favorites
0: on the road. Maybe one by but six.
1: If you're, favorite for, if you're underdog for one time in 69 straight games, you're not an underdog story. All
0: right. Anyway, um, another game with a ton of drama. Another game where the Patriots, one team, controlled the action early on. The Patriots controlling the action, grinding out the run game, keeping Mahomes off the field. It had to be frustrating right. if you're the Chiefs or a Chiefs fan, just sitting there watching third down conversion after conversion. On the run and uh, on the ground and through the air, and the Patriots could have been up a lot more. Other, but Brady makes a disastrous red zone decision. They're up seven to nothing. He throws the end zone interception. Um, it should have been at least ten nothing at that point. And then it was fourteen to nothing at the half. The Patriots are in full control of the game, but of course the Chiefs are literally just one play away from scoring. And you saw how quickly they could light up the scoreboard. But you know when. Patrick Mahomes only gets, what, 26 pass attempts yeah. in the game? I mean, that's tough. It's tough to do anything. Um, 31 pass attempts, sorry, because you know, they, they had a bunch down the stretch. But it just felt, if you're a Chiefs fan and you're watching this, it just feels like, man, the offense is great, but there's just so much pressure on the offense to make sure that, they don't, that you can't have a three and out. You have to keep converting. You have to keep moving the chains. And early on, the Patriots defense did a fantastic job of corralling that offense, plus Mahomes missed a few throws in the first.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's two parts there. One, that this is is the way to stop these high-octane passing offenses that are otherwise unstoppable, right? Is, one, you've got to be good on offense yourself, but two, being able to, to take time off the clock is a huge part of slowing these teams down. Because, one, because obviously it reduces the amount of time they actually have to do their damage. But two... Because you just shorten the game and shorten the number of possessions that everybody has, and it frustrates those teams being on the sideline. There, it shouldn't, but there's something about those teams having to sit there and watch an offense for like ten minutes before they get a chance to go out there and strike back that just screws them up. Well, yeah, it's, like, I, if, it's
0: the fact that you have to be perfect. It's it's just it's normal human nature, I think, because the pressure's on you to say, look, we just, they just had an 8-10 to 10 minute drive. Right. But in if theory, we go 3-and-out, they could hold the ball for another 5 minutes. But so in theory, we don't there's hold-
1: no difference between that and a team that's really good on offense scoring as well. Either way, you need to score because otherwise the game's getting out of hand. Yeah. It's just the keeping you on the sideline and taking, it, taking time off the clock just adds this layer of frustration to these teams that seems to really get to them. So, right. one, I think that is the perfect way to slow down these teams. Why we talked about the Ravens potentially being this nightmare matchup for any of these high-octane offenses because that's the way they do it. They will keep you on the bench, and it will frustrate the crap out of you, and you'll make mistakes because of that, and they can potentially win. The other thing we saw is that for as good as you can do that, this offense is too good. At some point, it's going to click and put up some points quickly, and you need to have done enough on the other side of the ball to, to withstand that comeback or that right. charge from them. So we saw sort of both sides of this. The Patriots did exactly the right thing. They executed extremely well. They put the Chiefs in a hole. And at some point, the Chiefs were going to come back because they're just too freaking strong on offense. And then it came down to the other side of the ball, which is what we said all year long. If this Chiefs defense can just get itself to hold on a drive, just one, it's all it probably needs because this offense is going to score. And ultimately, that's exactly what it came down to. They put it into overtime and actually down the stretch as well. But they had two different drives. Well, they blew the the fourth quarter.
0: However you want to say it. The Patriots won it or the Chiefs blew it. A fourth quarter comeback. So this Chiefs defense
1: had two separate drives where all it needed to do was to stop them once. And they couldn't do it. And on the the overtime drive was particularly amazing because they put themselves in a position where they just needed one play three separate times. Three third and
0: longs. And couldn't do it. Brady's pass. The, The ball location on those three third down conversions pretty spectacular but there was also um they screwed up a stack release Edelman right. had a, Edelman was wide open on one of them um you know Gronk conversion and you know Edelman over the middle another time but um yeah another exciting game though man this was crazy back and forth the whole time you're just like all right Brady's getting the ball he's got too much time Holmes is getting the ball he has too much time I mean I, I, I forget how, there was what five lead changes in the fourth quarter. And we got high-pitched Romo. Romo was so excited. Good My favorite
1: him. stat of the first game, by the way, is that the Rams won the game without leading. Oh, yeah. Wow. They didn't lead for a single second of that game and won. That's nah. fun, right? Fun Man. little nugget. Not if you're a Saints fan. Well, no. But, you know, they had 9 So. Ooh. Works its way out in you the got them. They had 0-9. They right. Got, I mean, you've, you've got your win. You got 5. You don't need another one. Back then. So you're like, whatever.
0: I, I'm for just the Rams saying turn.
1: they had their fair share of things swinging in their favor for that year. Hmm. So Interesting. You know, they, can, they can deal with the downslope this time.
0: The officiating in this game, terrible. Um, also some major issues. So I think you've got... So there's, there's the, the, the play where Mahomes looked like he got roughed and you watch the replay, and you're like, that's a good call, actually. He, you know, right. Trey Flowers they gets under They were basically the same play. One they were to pretty either much side. the same play.
1: At the very minimum, the officials have to determine to make that call the same way both. Whichever way you're going to do it, it has to be the same for both of those, and it wasn't.
0: Right. Brady was not interfered with um, on that one the same way Mahomes wasn't. And then on the other side, there was the pick play that set up the Chiefs' go-ahead touchdown was absurd. So the Patriots got called for offensive pass interference, where Dorsett had a very clear—he right. wasn't running a route. He just blocked on a swing pass. The Chiefs' one was just as blatant because you always get that—you get the short curl with like some sort of wheel or you know or whatever behind it. The short curl that guy, um, the pick player just ran straight into the defender. Didn't even run a route. Usually you'd, you you kind of run at him and you kind of turn around like you're running a route. This was just like straight pick. So that they missed that too. Um, and then D Ford's offsides. That wasn't a misplay. That's just D Ford being an idiot.
1: Well, so here's the thing. One, that 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 play decided the game. The page, or the Chiefs had this game won, and D Ford was lined up in the neutral zone, and suddenly you're in a hole again. That yeah. that's the difference in this game. Now, I hate lined up in the neutral zone as a penalty. I think it might be the dumbest play in all of football because all you need to do is to look down the line and check. Every we, single play... Did we minus two? That should be a minus seven. So this is to the point where I campaign for us to add a comment to the grading, the way we grade these things, to differentiate that from a guy who jumps offside. Because, like action, just a neutral right, zone infraction? Because right. you can get drawn into doing that by a hard count or whatever. It's still dumb, but it's a different level of stupid, Right. Because at least something caused you to do that. nothing caused you to line up in the neutral zone. It was just your own stupidity, except this play. because on this play, if you look at where Trent Brown was lined up, he is a hundred percent lined up in an illegal uh, formation because so there's, there's a, a, a limit to how deep an offensive so you know you see a, a, an offensive line, they're not all the same level, right, right. They're not five guys along the line. Typically, it sort of bows out to start a pocket, so the guards are a little bit back from the center, and the tackles are a little bit back from the guards, and it forms this kind of broad semicircle, Mm -hmm. right? So, But there's a limit to how far back the tackles can go before they're considered off the line of scrimmage, and it screws everything up, right? And typically, the rule is, if your helmet as a tackle is level with the belt buckle of the center, you're okay, But if you're further back than that, if you're not level with his belt buckle, you're illegal. You're off the line of scrimmage. Trent Brown was 100% further back than level with the center's belt buckle. So he was illegal as well. Now, I'm not saying that would change everything because if you called both of them, it would be offsetting penalties and it would still negate the play. So it wouldn't have saved the Chiefs. But what I'm saying is that as an edge rusher... You're probably looking at where that tackle is and basically aligning yourself with him, you know? If I'm a so yard it's Trent Brown's fault. If I'm like a yard and a half f- like ahead of the tackle, I'm in the right spot. So D Ford lines up, he basically aligns himself with the tackle the way he's been doing all game. The tackle is further back now than he should be, which means D Ford is half a yard into the neutral zone. Now, it's still his fault cuz all it takes is to look down the line well, and do you can hate change the that. This is what,
0: just what saying. our
1: viewers want to know i'm just saying that as dumb as that penalty was because at any point d ford could have looked down the line and gone oh hell i'm in the neutral zone i'm going to take a step back here there was a reason he was in the neutral zone beyond his own stupidity Mm, i don't know and that was an uncalled flag on trent brown i don't buy it i don't buy it
0: anyway it's a bad penalty
1: you don't buy it
0: i don't buy that it's because that it's because of the way trent brown lined up
1: you're telling me if the guy that you've been lining up the same distance from every single snap in this game takes a step back, do you ever you're look at the football? Cha- huh? That's what I'm saying it's still stupid. But you're yeah. li- you're lining yourself versus the tackle, yeah, not you versus look at the, the football, ball. You
0: look down the line.
1: That's what you line up against. Right. But if the, the guy- line is scrimmage, <laughs> it's not though entirely. Okay. Same with receivers and defensive backs. You kind of line yourself according to where they are. If they're in a wrong spot,
0: so that was Going to be off. That was a big call. I thought the two calls where the refs got it right were the two uh, catches by New England. You had the Chris the Hogan reviews? one-handed catch, the review, where I thought his arm, the first one he made the one-handed catch, his arm was under the ball, it kind of hit the ground, and it's like, okay, that was a catch. Hmm. And then the second one, I thought the ball hit the ground, his arms weren't under the ball, and that was not a catch. And I thought they got both of those right. Yeah, and then the Edelman, the, the Edelman punt thing <laughs> was so ridiculous. Yes. What, what's your problem with the, you just, you're just anti-everything, I, I so think, go ahead.
1: I think they might have got both of those wrong. I think the first one, the ball definitely is the reception is aided by the ground. Oh, I don't think so. Definitely,
0: he had he had his forearm right and under then he the rolled ball
1: over it, and the ball squeezed out and he it gets touched it back the ground a the little ground.
0: bit. I thought that one was definitely. I a catch. think
1: the ground helped him get that catch. The second one, I would need to see again, but I actually think
0: the second one there was a point where the ball looked like it was laying on the turf. With nothing, with no forearm under it. with no. Yeah. I'm not as confident with the
1: second one because I only saw it live. I haven't gone looking for the replays again. But I think this, the second one looked to me like he actually somehow freakily... It was way, it was weird because the first one was actually an outstanding catch that just kind of came out at the end when you hit the ground and it kind of forces the ball out that way. Yeah, he, the had, second he one, had control first. Right, the second one he actually screwed up right. but looked like he might have somehow avoided it touching the ground before he got control of it all. I don't all. think he did, though. Um, so... Yeah, whatever. I, it's just interesting that they, <laughs> they both bounced New England's way of those reviews. The, no, they didn't, though. They got... One was called a catch, one was not called a catch. But the, which one was, was not the, called a the catch?
0: They got them right, is what I'm saying. The one-handed catch was a catch, yeah, and then the Hogan so. drop was called a drop. I think they screwed them both. And out. that was another one where the, the Patriots almost screwed themselves, because that, that would have been a first-down conversion. That put them in, in third and ten again but they still ended up The Edelman muff thing was bizarre though. Um, that was Edelman just getting really really lucky but yes. when I saw it tremendous He was lucky. so adamant that he didn't touch it I believed him. Right. Cuz most guys if it nicks you you're just like you put your, you either run after it or you put your head down in but shame. But through sheer
1: dumb luck it didn't touch anybody. Oh part it was pure
0: it. pure luck.
1: What's interesting it was is was stupid that
0: for him to go try to field
1: it. That play showed the problem with just 100% reliance on replay. Because from either angle, it looked like it touched one thumb, right? But both angles absolved the other one. You know what I mean? They
0: did right. So one looked like the thumb, and then you saw it missed it by like this much. But that's the the problem. So if you don't, how's that the problem with replay? It's the good thing about replay.
1: Because if you don't have the right angle, if you don't have the reverse angle, you get suckered into thinking that something is clear in incontrovertible visual evidence when it isn't.
0: Sure, that's the problem with replay. You're the NFL. Billion dollar industry. Right, but they're not going to get the right angles. They you, In this playoff game yesterday, they had the right angles. Right. And they They've will. They've done for the, a better job in recent years of like the number six CBS broadcast in like week 10 still, ha, still has good angles. The they, same that like Sunday Night Football.
1: They has. will for the playoffs and for Sunday Night Football, et cetera. But they're not going to have it for every game. So you can't just say, just make sure you, you do. have to have 100% reliance on replay because it's going to give you angles that make it look like things Re- happened that didn't. So.
0: You know, we blame the officials, but I'm I'm giving them the two reviews. I think they got right. The Edelman review, I think they got right. So there was some good calls in there as well. Was there any other egregious er, egregious calls that people were worried about? I thought the pass I thought Gronk got absolutely mugged on one play that they didn't call. JC Jackson also kind of. Ticky tacky down the field positioning for you know I thought it just I thought it went both ways as far as the the poor calls this it was is just bad game. overall
1: this is another game where I think they were really testing the officials
0: resolve to throw the flags in yeah. coverage no I agree so um, that was a big factor um, we did let's see what what the Patriots did against Mahomes you know making things difficult they collapsed the pocket they pressured on him on half of his snaps Mahomes. You know, he always makes those spectacular plays, but in this one, he, had, he just missed way too many throws. We always, we've talked about all year the thing most impressive about Mahomes is that he had the second lowest percentage of negatively graded plays in the NFL this year. He had, I don't know if this was his highest percentage of negatives, but I'm just looking through the play-by-play. It was high for only 31 dropbacks. So this was his worst game as far as missing plays. Plus, he took that sack where he spun yeah. backwards and took them out of field goal range. Those were, some bad, those were some bad plays. Right. Andy threw one that could have been a that game-ending interception that Jonathan Jones dropped. There were some bad plays in there by Mahomes.
1: So I was talking to um, Dr. Eric Eager about this earlier this morning. This idea that with 16 seconds left on the clock, that should be two shots of the end zone before you settle on the field goal. Well, he
0: threw one that should have been picked, so they got scared.
1: I don't know if it was they got scared or this idea that with a quarterback like Mahomes... It might not be. 16 seconds, he's the kind of guy that even if he doesn't take the sack, he's going to run around and chew up oh, I, 10 yeah, seconds. Right, right, I agree. So I don't know. Like for every other quarterback in the NFL, 16 seconds should be two Sorry. shots at the end zone. For Mahomes, it might not be because right. I don't know that you can trust him to get rid of the ball in eight seconds every
0: single play. No, that's fair. Let me get my timeline right because earlier he threw a dropped interception in the end zone. Then they, had, they got into better field goal range. And on first down, they took one shot at the end zone. And he, did a, he threw a nice safe miss right. out at the end of it. That was good. That was a good job. There was probably room to do one more of those. There should have been. To, right? right. And especially if you have Tyreek Hill, you know, who can, in, in any given time, by the way, he only had one catch for 42. I mean, if you told me coming in that Tyreek Hill's going to get targeted three times, one catch for 42 yards, Kelsey's going to get limited to what he was, would he have hardly anything, real quick. What do we have? Kelsey had 3 3 catches for 23, including a touchdown and a drop. I mean, that was that's a good job on their two big playmakers. Anyway, they could have taken another shot at the end zone and say, "Look, you, you either have it, or you throw it away, and then we're going to then we're going to kick the field goal." But there was just a lot of clock management stuff. There was a, just a lot going on there. Um but back and forth, both teams. And then um Tom Brady's splits he had about a 49 grade in the first quarter that included that end zone interception 90.1 grade in the fourth quarter in overtime he didn't have any negatively graded throws that what should have been the game-ending interception was a drop by Gronk that interception that he threw to Edelman was right on his hands we're not that was a positive grade he that should have converted the first down you know that interception was not on Brady so he was again exceptional in crunch time in the fourth quarter and led another epic comeback
1: yeah but this is another example of this is what we talked about with breeze and the manipulating the time he has to throw by screwing with receivers this is the opposite of that so for the past two weeks brady has gotten rid of the ball on average of 2.18 seconds what was he at yesterday do you have a split? Uh, yesterday was, I think, even faster. Because than that. he
0: was only pressured six no. out of 46 dropbacks. Right.
1: So yesterday was 2.23. So for the two weeks average, it's been 2.18, which is insane. That's faster than you're ever going to get over a season. It is too fast for a pass rush to get any kind of joy over the course of the game. So D Ford, who we've been talking about as really one of the players of the year, yep. even aside from the dumb. Uh, lined up offside penalty, um, he got one hurry in, what, 38 pass rushes? So he's had pressure consistently every single game this season. In fact, I think that is the first game which he's only recorded a single hurry or fewer. Every single game this year, he's recorded multiple pressures. Um, he's been a real source of pass rush. He's made impact plays, but the ball was out in 2.2 seconds every single play yesterday. You just, you're just you not going to get there. You can't, You don't have the speed. You can't get there in that kind of time. And that's, that was it. The, the, the Chiefs defense, we said going into the game that at least they play the right kind of scheme. They play man coverage, which is what slows down those receivers and get, makes Brady hold the ball just a little bit longer. Give those right. guys a time to work. And they didn't. Right, And that so, was the
0: problem. So I would say the, the time to throw thing certainly helped. I mean, that's, that's Brady in the scheme helping to manipulate the rush but also the offensive line on the plays where Brady did have to hold the ball a little bit longer and throw the ball down the field for the most part they held up they did a really good job when they did have to pass protect for uh for deeper drops it was also I mean when you watch the Patriots offense with James Devlin out there the full back and they were going straight like five-step drop out of two back sets As much as we talk about the NFL being innovative and the Patriots have plenty of innovative plays, I just thought it was hilarious that they were were running like throwback, five-step drop, non-play action out of two back sets. They ran split backs one time. Like, hey, Joe Montana, we're going under center split backs. The NFL's probably run that twice all year. Anybody in the NFL. It's just hilarious.
1: This is why they are so hard to beat in the playoffs because they don't have you don't know what you're going to get right you actually so we've been talking before about how it's important to be able to adjust on the fly more important than ever against the patriots because you literally don't know what you're going to see until you hit the game it's going to take you a few drives to figure out what they're doing and then you need to basically craft your game plan on the fly to defeat that
0: right that is oh it's that's what makes them so different that's balance again what we talked about they went in they said we're going to pound the rock this week we're going to run play action Um, But here's the other part, too. There were a bunch of plays where Kansas City did a really good job taking away the middle of the field. So the Patriots wanted to run, run, run. And when they run play action, they are attacking the middle of the field on play action. A couple of them were open, but there were other plays. There was four guys around Gronk and they read it right. But then in crunch time, when they needed to get guys open in the middle of the field, the Patriots are able to scheme it up just enough to give Edelman a step a couple times to get Gronk on a slant. Um, So again, the cat and mouse game there, you know, the Patriots end up winning coming out on top there were
1: only 19 fullbacks this season that played as many snaps including the playoffs as devlin did yesterday wow that's crazy that's the kind of offensive game plan they ran he had 41 snaps yesterday right he had more snaps yesterday than green bay fullbacks this season combined yeah Um, almost as many as chicago fullbacks combined and several other teams who didn't play their fullback as much as Devlin played yesterday, so they literally yeah. pulled out a game
0: plan from like oh seven or earlier Oh, before that because in seven they were spreading in the field right, but they they're also doing this with i mean not to I, look, I think Brady deserves a ton of credit for all of this his numbers went were down a little bit this year when the other you know this is where he 's finding those doubters sam no no they 're saying he's going to fall finding, off a cliff and he's all that stuff the doubters his, his numbers head. took a hit this year in part because he lost Amendola. He, he's got a crippled Gronk out there. Um, yes, Josh Gordon played for a chunk of the season, but his outside receivers yesterday, they're, they're running path patterns to Cordero Patterson as an outside receiver in crunch time. Yeah, that didn't go Chris well. Hogan out there. Philip Dorsett, who made a really nice play on the, on the touchdown. That was nice, but Dorset's, you know, he's, he's okay. By
1: the way, one of those failed plays to Patterson was a bad
0: Brady pass. Oh, he left it behind a little bit, yeah. but still should have been caught. The other one was a nice defensive play, but either way, I'm saying those outside receivers are not very good. No, um, you've got Gronk, who's a who's still just a good. He's a good NFL tight end. He's not great. You know, he's not what he was. And Edelman's really good at what he does. Um, but yeah, the pass location on those third down, overtime passes, and some of those key fourth down passes. Just incredible. That's why he's the best, Sam. Yeah, but the Chiefs defense
1: basically didn't do what they needed to do all the way through this game, which is to get aggressive against the Patriots and at least slow them down. They did. The they were way. aggressive. They played, man. they not d- aggressive enough. You didn't.
0: Uh, what do you mean? They are <laughs> playing. Beat. No, because they're not that good. That's the problem. They're not that good. It's not that they didn't try. They're not
1: that bad either, that the ball comes out in 2.2 seconds every single play and there's an open guy. That's not, that's not trying hard enough. They're not bad enough that you should be getting beat off the line every single time by these receivers that aren't that good. They weren't. There was a bunch of tight window throws in there as well. All those third downs. You need to, Particularly down the stretch, they were not in the least bit aggressive. They backed off and let the
0: Patriots beat them. They tried to blitz a little bit, too. They did try to be aggressive there, and that didn't work very well at all. All 8 of 12 for 111 for Brady. Right. On 12 blitzes. So they tried to mix it up.
1: I'm just saying you need to be more aggressive with receivers
0: from from a Chiefs perspective though. This was this was your biggest fear all season. Um, you've got Mahomes, and, and here's the the biggest compliment you can give Mahomes: in his on his worst games, they still score 30. On the play, on the times where teams figure out Mahomes and he misses throws and he takes bad sacks, they still find a way to score 30. Not yeah. all because of him, but because the offense is so good. But in large part because of him and your biggest fear is that we're going to score 30 and we're going to give up 31 or we're going to give up in this case 37 i mean that's the chief's biggest fear and that's what happened now can we talk
1: about why overtime needs to change all right
0: let's get into your uh overtime rant
1: well it's pretty simple right you have a game like this that's going down to this incredible jewel between two incredible quarterbacks one a future Hall of Famer, you know, maybe the greatest of all time. The other one Tom Brady. Two, Patrick Mahomes. Oh. The MVP of the league, dominating in his first season starting. And you get to the postseason, and because of a coin flip, one of those guys isn't going to see the field.
0: That's Not necessarily. a bad way of doing it. Don't give up a touchdown.
1: Right. That's where that's where it's built in. The point is, we have been talking all season long about how the NFL has been pushing this idea of all offense all the time their perfect game was the rams chiefs the first time they played with like 127 points and a million yards and all this kind of stuff right if that is your end goal you can't act like defense has suddenly got a fair fight
0: when you get to the postseason but not just make a stop but not giving up a touchdown because if they give up a field goal they get their opportunity it doesn't matter the chiefs the Chiefs. how often do touchdowns happen
1: for the best offenses in the nfl are scoring touchdowns now in 40 percent of their drives so by the virtue of a coin flip, you're now giving this offense a 40% chance of ending the game right there because defenses aren't able to withstand them. That should not be the ratio this has. The point is, in specific, and it's, it's an issue the more in specific types of games. If you have an offensive shootout, the defense has no shot. You know that going into that. So why would you act like going into this uh, overtime period, well,
0: now the defense needs to stand up and make a stop. If you can't do it, it's your own fault. But it's not like the you team doesn't have an opportunity to give their offense the ball. I mean, the Saints, the Saints are one of the best offenses in the NFL. They won the coin toss. They had offense, and the Rams' defense made a, made a stop. Right. And this was a
1: game where both defenses made plays. This is a game where neither defense is making any play at the moment. They're both the victim of the offenses. And in a shootout, you're going to disrupt that shootout because the system relies on defense actually standing up at a
0: point where you know they can't. Who knows they can't? They're not making rules based off of Everybody knows this can. hypothetical Look game. at what
1: happened in the last three minutes of that game. You're going to suddenly expect one of those defenses to turn up in overtime? Yeah, because you've got to hold them to field goals. Right. Or we could Holding say... Holding a team to a field goal is not an unreasonable ask. Or we could say, neither of these defenses is turning up. We want to see the shootout between the two offenses that are fantastic. So let's give them both the chance of having the ball in overtime.
0: I, so I, I just don't know how you do that. I can think of because, multiple ways of doing that because it, the NFL. So the NFL, if they're all about player safety, because I hear this college overtime rule all the time, th- th- that request, right? If the NFL is all about player safety, they Which it need isn't. to what? Which it isn't. They claim that they are. Right. So it's about optics, right? So if you're about player safety, you can't put. Teams into situations where they have to run more plays rather than fewer plays. So a college overtime, for instance, college overtime is extremely exciting. You get the ball on the twenty-five yard line, and it's score after score after score, and you get that LSU Texas A&M game this year that went to what seven overtimes, whatever it is, and it's exciting and it's great. But there is no possible way the NFL is going to let these two teams that just ran say seventy plays during regulation run another fifty and have one hundred twenty play games they on both sides of the ball. They're you not play
1: at a ten minute overtime period. Which right, but the odds
0: of, of that happening ending so in the regular season they cut it down to ten, so right. they're like, all right, we're just going to end it in a tie, that so the Europeans be a ton are of happy, plays. right? Because everybody loves ties. What that can still be a ton of plays. It could a be, but it's a fourth quarter. But it's ten minutes. Fourth quarter. But, that, but there's a reason why they don't go to double overtime and then triple overtime, and the, and the playoffs, the only time where they could actually the make that exception. Is that nobody wants to sit there for a five-hour game.
1: So Mike Renner has a ton of incredibly bad ideas but the greatest idea he's ever had is his solution to the overtime problem which is you essentially go to a penalty shootout except it's two-point plays each team gets five two-point plays and it goes to just immediately
0: right into it right i would not do that tie game play real football the patriots
1: drive down or the, the, the the patriots drive they go ahead the chiefs drive down they hit their field goal tie game overtime now you set up both offenses two point plays five penalties five penalty two point plays no, and then you go it, to sudden death
0: here's the thing so let's let's eliminate college both offenses
1: overtime. take the field both defenses take the field everybody gets five shots it's the perfect solution it would be exciting but i think it's
0: stupid well you're out of your mind if you want to give so in this situation the patriots drive down and score a touchdown uh-huh. if you want to give the chiefs another opportunity their opportunity to drive down i think that's fine i think the variance Then what happens
1: so then then you keep touchdown.
0: playing. But listen, It's di- in college, you're starting at the 25. That's why you get score after score after score. Got to go for two and all that stuff. The NFL could make it. All right, now the Chiefs. You kick off to the Chiefs. If they score a touchdown and they tie it up. Then you keep going? You then you said keep they going. wouldn't do that. Then you keep going. But listen, but it's different. You, you're doing it with kickoffs. You're doing it with the full field to go. With the full field to go, the variance is so much wider, it's more likely for the defense to get a stop. So it's unlikely that you're going to get you know, eight possessions per team. You're not going to get into, like, triple overtime or anything like that. So huh. it's less likely. And we'll just say after the first touchdowns, you've got to go for two. So sim- steal a little bit from college. So the first time around, you do whatever you want <laughs> with both possessions. Second possession. What's wrong with this? The second possession. Okay, now you have to go for two. Because the key here to avoid the marathon game uh-huh. is to add variance to, to the equation to try to separate things and just and get to a winner quicker. Right. So that's how you would do it. That's how I would do it. So now Mahomes is getting the ball. It's touchdown or bust. If they score a touchdown, Patriots are getting the ball on a kickoff. they got to go to the full field again, and whatever happens, happens.
1: I'm all for whatever gives both offenses a shot at the ball because at the moment you have a system where, we, <laughs> where everybody wants to see all offense all the time, and then you get to the post, and then you get to the overtime, and you say, well, defense just make a stop. I mean, okay. Yeah, defense needs to make a stop
0: during the regular regular period, too. you just set
1: up a system whereby you know that's not going to happen. The whole point is, and it's particularly problematic when you have two high-octane offenses going up against each other, which most people seem to agree is the optimum solution to a game. Those are the games that get screwed the most because one of those high-octane offenses probably won't get the ball because the other one will just score a touchdown straight away. So this idea that now... For that one drive in overtime, we need the defense to be a a big part of this. is silly. So give both quarterbacks a chance to do it. Your way would be fine, I'm sure. Give them both a drive and then introduce random two-point compulsory conversions. I think Mike's idea is the best idea. Penalty shootouts, two-point conversion plays, everybody gets five, and then we see. Then we go to sudden death. That would be a hell of a lot shorter. It would be incredibly dramatic the same way penalty shootouts are in soccer Yet these purists like oh it's a terrible thing penalty shootouts are maybe the most dramatic thing in sports and the people that bitch about them are out of their minds hmm. i wouldn't want the full game
0: immediately determined by that that's the thing well
1: if the full game wouldn't have been immediately determined by that if somebody could have won it in regulation but they didn't oh so, so now, that's your biggest problem so over time win in regulation well, it's not my biggest problem. But you, if you're going to whinge about the game being decided by this way, then don't let it go that far. It's pretty simple. You could have done it. The Chiefs, instead of kicking a field goal, could have taken another shot in the end zone, it resolved could. the game once and for all. But they didn't. So now you go to your two-point
0: system. I stated it in my case. I like, I, I like how um, New England did run that flea flicker. They had this, the flea flicker saved up potential game winner. Kansas City covered it really well.
1: You know why the Saints didn't win? Why? Because they didn't run the trick play with Drew Brees being out wide doing nothing that we said they were saving. They're saving Maybe they were saving it for the Super Bowl, but, but they didn't get there. They're show if it they'd up. run it in the, in the NFC Championship
0: game, they would have won. Saving it for minicamp. mini camp. Um, A couple things, because we have a bunch of PFFers who love to watch us live here on YouTube. A couple notes here um, from the game film review New England, now that we've been able to see the film, did double Tyreek all game, and 12 times they called what we call one double, which is essentially cover one man where they assign a double team 12 times on 31 dropbacks. They assigned a double team to Tyreek Hill. That's why he was targeted only three times, caught one pass for 42 yards. We also have a note from Ben Stockwell, that director pass. of analysis. That, In fact, not that pass. That route from Tyreek Hill was
1: insane. The, the separation he was able to get from just running to
0: hell faster than the guy trying to cover him was amazing. Yeah, I mean, every time, if he wants to. Uh, our director of analysis, Ben Stockwell, completely calling you out yeah, I think on this mine. Trent Brown thing. And I'm looking at, you're right, he's the same exact depth as Marcus Cannon. I'm not seeing that at all. Do you, have you looked at Brown every single snap? Is this any different from what he'd been doing? No, I haven't looked at him every single snap. I was watching the game. I wasn't, like, watching Trent Brown. So. I thought you went back and did research and said on this play, he's too far back. No. Okay, so then D, so he's, he's probably at the same depth every single time. And I'm, all of a sudden, you're like, oh, D4 just lined up too close to him one time. That's Trent Browns fault. He was fault. too deep
1: on this play. So I'm going to say that was an outlier, not that he was lined up this position every single play.
0: That looks like normal tackle depth Whatever. to me. Anyway. Well, what a great podcast, Sam. It was great. Do you want to trash Tony Romo while you're here? Everybody loves Tony except you.
1: I Look, I just don't understand why predicting the play is amazing. Like That's not why... The color That's guy. not what
0: everybody loves. The it's color, part it, of no, what people it is. love. It people is. love the energy that he brings, <laughs> the fact that he does have this great awareness. Week uh, there were so
1: many. Week one of Tony Romo in the booth, there were montages of him just guessing every single people play.
0: Love it. Most of which he was getting wrong at that point. I got more people trying to help me call out Sam. About Ooh. what now?
1: Why are you reading the comments as we're doing this?
0: podcast? Because this is how I'm adding the proper PFF information. Kansas City. With Nelson and Ward, the two corners on the outside showed press about 70% of the time and 80% when they were playing man. So they were trying to press show physical. It, right. They're just not How many good. times
1: did they actually do it properly? Well, that's how
0: we track it. Just are they lined ah, up in? Right.
1: Well, that seems like an issue.
0: So you saw them press bailing the entire time? I'm just saying, it's not the same thing. They showed press, they You actually the need to get physical
1: and press the guys and slow them down. You can't just line up in front of them the and go, The play yeah. call
0: was there, I'm saying. They played press man.
1: Yeah, but that like that's not being aggressive. Mm. You need to actually. It's not systematically. So it's a guy. blaming
0: Nelson and Ward, the two corners, no. Stephen Nelson and uh, Ward. Anywho, huh? My point about Romo was that everybody
1: loves that he guesses. All right, I'll give him credit. That he predicts the play correctly a lot of the time in this game. Anyway, before the snap, right? It's like, oh, look, that means they're going to run right, run right. But there's no. To me, a color guy is there to add some information, analysis, and context as to what is happening, right? The play-by-play guy is there to tell you what is happening. The color guy adds some knowledge, some depth, some interest to it, right? Romo's just sitting there playing like a game of trivia, Going well. Look, they're going to run right now. Yeah. See, so I didn't hear everything you said. There's no. There's wasn't no there a like, point? explanation for it. Yeah, but like, yeah. therefore, I'm not being educated. Sometimes there is being though.
0: told what's happening. Sometimes there is. I was. There is very little. I was taking care of my three year old. We let him watch the game. Yeah. You know, we just let him stay up. Oh, you're going to get
1: like parenting shamed. What's the oh? Do they do that?
0: that? Oh, I think they do it for letting my three year old. And you read it as well because you read the bed. comments. Yeah, they're going to they're going to call me out on that. But there was a play. I think I heard Romo say. He's like, hey, the last two third downs, they went to Edelman. They're going to try to take away the middle of the field. Gronk's lined up uh, out wide, and that's that's where they went.
1: But there's a montage of like 25 (laughs) plays where he's guessing, and he explains it once.
0: If you're a quarterback, it's not that difficult because it is just saying, oh, they're weak on this side. They're going to run zone here. So people are
1: losing their minds over this idea that he comes out and basically just predicts the play before the play, right? Which is fine. That's nice. It's a great novelty, but it's not why a color guy is there to me and therefore i'm not blown away by it
0: interesting you just hate everything anyway nobody believed in the patriots the underdogs they're not prevailed they prevailed you know what you know everybody likes to talk about legacies and all that stuff there are people out there that think that if brady and the patriots lost that game yesterday so like if they lose in the super bowl that like kills his legacy when compared to joe montana they would have been better off losing Joe yesterday. Joe never lost a Super Bowl, you right. see. They would have been better off just losing yesterday. It's way better to just lose in the AFC Championship, you know? Yeah. Way better. Anyway, we'll have uh, much more on Thursday. That'll do it for us today. Thursday, uh, we'll probably just do, we'll do full-on draft coverage. So I think I'm going to boot you out completely. Get Mike Renner in here. We'll do a little Senior Bowl preview because the Senior Bowls this weekend. You and I will be back on Monday or maybe I won't to do some more NFL Monday. stuff. We'll see. We'll keep, we'll keep people guessing. But there'll be some football analysis coming on the podcast Thursday. We'll have you on here for something. How about that? Because the transition, if you guys didn't see our Transformers transition from the Sam head to the Renner head, it is fantastic. You don't like that either? That's hilarious. Right. This is, this
1: is why I, and not you, was asked to be the comedy no, part of you're, the, the no, you just have, Center. If you don't think that's funny... You, like, wet yourself over this Transformers transition. If you don't think that's funny... You're just, you're out of your mind. I'm just saying, I orchestrated some real hilarity, which actually we should post on Twitter. The, uh, the Collinsworth slide ins, just the staff ones. The
0: staff slide ins? Staff
1: slide ins. That wasn't your work, though. That was everyone's yeah, work. Yeah, but I had the funniest one in it. Yours was not. In fact, yours was made by me. No. Yeah. You just slid in. Mine I, got the first big laugh of the video. Because, I, because of my acting. My it was God. only funny because of what I did in your video, Sam.
0: With all due respect. You're not as funny as you think. Oh, I think you're fine. I am. And that'll do it for us this week. We'll see you guys on Thursday. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle – All in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, You have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at nfl.com slash pro football focus NFL.